Good morning, church. My name is Serene Nedenrip. I'm on the teaching team at Faith Community Church, and this is my son, River Nedenrip. Since I'm preaching from home today, I thought it would be an advantage to hear the scriptures read by my son. I always just like a fresh voice, fresh perspective. Here you go. Thank you. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there, and making a whip of cord to throw them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. And he was speaking about of the temple of his body, when therefore he was raised from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed his name when they saw signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people. He needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, let me pray for us. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open our ears to hear what you have to say. Uh, Open our eyes to see what you want to show us this morning and to give us your Holy Spirit to enlighten us, make our hearts soft and fill us um, with a sense of your presence. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So it's the Passover and Jesus goes up to the temple in Jerusalem and this would have all been a really normal rhythm of life to go up for one of the festivals and it was just a a holiday and he would have gone with family and friends and this marketplace that he finds in the temple is it's a really normal experience as well there would have been hustle and bustle and every kind of person there for the festival and to see the temple there would have been seekers of God there would have been tourists there would have been um, it says there are it's loud, there's cattle, there's sheep, there's doves, there's sellers, there's money clinking around. And um, all of this would have been normal. Jesus would have experienced this in his life. But this time is a little bit different. Um, and it says that he, um, and, the, and he clears it out, which is a really intense thing to do. Um, and it made me think of this house in San Diego. It's in, um, it hangs over Mission Valley and it has these expansive views that go all the way out to the ocean over the valley. And it has uh, the whole western side of the house has are big picture glass windows that just look straight out onto what must be an epic sunset every single day. Even foggy sunsets in San Diego are epic. So this, this sunroom, this sunset room is gorgeous. 
Um, but when you walk by it, you can't help but notice that it's actually like two thirds of the way up. These huge, gorgeous glass windows are, uh, are just stacks and stacks and piles and piles of papers and boxes, furniture and junk. And I'm not hating on junk right now. I'm not pointing any fingers about junk. We're not gonna talk about the junk in our lives because I suffer from the cultural disease of collecting things just like you do. Um, but what I do wanna draw our attention to this morning is what this room was made for. This room was made for sunsets. This room was made to sit and relax, but the furniture has boxes on top of it. You can't even sit down. It was made for gathering and enjoyment and peace and um, to, to open your heart and your mind and your whole being to stop and pause and rest. But instead it's full of clutter. So in this passage, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. He goes in the temple to worship, to pray, but he finds it crowded and cluttered just like the sunroom. And even though what he found there would have been normal, he would have seen it there his whole life, um, what he does, I want you to know, is deliberate. It's not a temper tantrum. He doesn't reach his last straw. What he does is actually a logistical feat. He makes a whip. That's deliberate. That's premeditated. He's sitting there and using his whip making skills to get ready and then actually drive out cattle. Moving cattle, moving sheep, that's a logistical feat and it takes skill and he would have had to um, move, get them moving and then get them moving faster and find someone somewhere for them to go and it's crowded. He would have had to move people. That's not an easy task. And then the people with the doves, he had to say, get out of here because the doves are in cages. He can't just scatter the doves. So what he does out in the temple courtyard is a deliberate move. It's not just Jesus with an anger management issue. But it is emotionally intense. And he says, get these things out of my father's house. My father's house is, you've turned it into a marketplace. What does he mean by this? And I want us to think about why is he so emotionally intense about this? So what helps is what is this part made for? So first of all, the temple itself was made as a place that people could find God. So the gap between heaven and earth is immense. God is big, we are small. God is holy, we are sinful and regular people, except in the temple. The Bible Project says that the temple and earth, uh, the temple was the one place that heaven and earth and God's space and human space overlapped. It was the same space. So it's this house where we can worship God and pray to God and God can in, we can encounter God's very presence. You, we could always find God in the temple. And not just Jews, it was made for the whole world to find God. It was like a searchlight beckoning people, come, come, come find God. Seeking God, seeking answers, seeking truth, seeking to worship, come and worship here. The other thing about this outer court is that it was set aside specifically for these nations. There were parts of the temple that uh, the Jewish people could go to, but um, but outsiders couldn't go there. And it was to keep it more holy, to, to give room for true worshipers. But this outer court was for seekers. It was for people who wanted to worship God who were not 
Jewish because God's intention was that the temple would be a place for the whole world, not just the centerpiece of the Jewish faith. So people would have gone on their tour buses if they had whatever the equivalent of tour buses were back then. They would have got off the tour bus or gone in the corner, admired the architecture, but God's intention was that the draw of the temple, the draw of, um, of the architecture and the beauty would say something about who God is and help people find him and connect with him. So when Jesus drives out all of these people, he's not against commerce. He's not against sacrifices. I mean, he helped set up the sacrifice system. It is the foreshadowing for his own sacrifice for us. And it's not a political statement against the corruption of the Jewish leaders. Some commentaries do say that. And that might have been some of it, but I think what he says is this is supposed to be a house of prayer. He sees what's been crowded out and he sees who's been crowded out. Worship and prayer have been crowded out by this marketplace. It's just not the right place for it. It's not the best use. And the people who've been crowded out are the Gentiles and the foreigners. The people who have his heart are the smallest, um, the smallest on the totem pole in the Jewish system. <laughs> like the outsiders, the, the poor, the ones who need the pigeons rather than, and can't afford a cattle for a sacrifice. They, those are the ones on his heart. And instead they're being taken advantage of because their space is taken. And anyway, um, I think Jesus is intense about this because he knows what the space is made for. And um, the other reason he's intense is I think he ha it's because it's his house and he has the authority to clean it out. The owners of that house have the authority to clean out that room. And if they ever get it in their heart to, I want that sunset back, they're the ones who get to clean it out and they can attack it as deliberately and effectively as they want to. So when Jesus is clearing out it out, he's saying, this is actually, he's renewing it. He's restoring it to its rightful place. This kind of clearing um, can be called something like a re-consecrating, a setting apart again. This was already set apart, but then it got crowded. So now we need to re-consecrate, to reset apart this space as holy, as sacred space a place that people can encounter the living God, a place that people can come and worship. And, um, it, and so I just want you to remember, this is not a temper tantrum. He's deliberately clearing out his own house because he has the authority to. Uh, and the reason that's important is because sometimes when our lives are cleared out, we need to remember that in the same way Jesus has authority to clear out the temple, and we're like, yeah, that's his house. Go ahead, clear it out, Jesus. Restore it to its rightful place. When he clears out our own lives, he has authority to clear us out too, because we're his church. Today, the church isn't a building, and it's not a set of buildings across the world, dispersed in different neighborhoods even. Today, God dwells with his people still, but he dwells in us by filling us with his Holy Spirit. He calls the church living stones, sacred spaces sent and dispersed by him through the whole earth, so God's children can always encounter him. God intends for us to be, for you to be, what the temple was. A house of worship, a house of prayer, and a place to encounter the living God. That's what you were made for. All the other stuff is clutter.
So we're living stones, but we're a work in progress, right? We get off course, our worship and our prayer lives get crowded out by normal daily concerns, just like this courtyard, just like the marketplace. We get busy, we get productive, we have pursuits and schedules, but our lives don't feel like sacred places anymore. And the truth is, the sad truth is that people can't always encounter God in us. What it means to be the temple of God is that sometimes we need clearing out. We need to be restored. We need to be renovated and renewed and remodeled to remember our first purpose, our most original purpose, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But no one likes being cleared out, am I right? Because of this pandemic, we're in a time of natural consecration, a little bit of a forced fast from our normal rhythms. Life as we know it's been upended. Our economy, country, our world, everything we know has been changed dramatically overnight. And all of our plans, they're on hold indefinitely. Travel, conferences, work, school, canceled. Our finances are uncertain. How are you handling this time that we're living in? How are you handling the dramatic and forced clearing out of your life? As things are reordered, what might God be trying to reset in you? Maybe this time of shutdown that everyone is experiencing, I don't think this is just the people of God experiencing the shutdown, and I don't think the pandemic is the only way God can clear us out, so it's not a, it's not a judgment on us, but it is a chance. It's a chance to reconnect with God, to reconnect with our purpose and re-remember what you're made to be filled with, God's presence. For me, I can see how Jesus is resetting me, uh, especially in my neighborhood, as a sacred space for my neighbors. I'm ashamed to say that I didn't know very many of them. I didn't even know who lived where before because I just spent a lot of time traveling to and from places. We did little league in one neighborhood, school in another, work in another, uh, church in another neighborhood. We drove places to go running. And I'm ashamed to say, I just, I didn't really know what was going on in my neighborhood or what my neighbors needed. And the sheer emptiness of my calendar and being tethered to my house means I just have more time to be in my neighborhood. And I have more time to pay attention to people. And my neighbors are all around more too, so we run into each other more. And I'm really hopeful that uh, God will use me and my family as sacred spaces that people might encounter God who need that. Church, I want you to remember that you're the temple of God. You are living stones. You were created to be houses of prayer and worship. You were made to be places where people can meet the living God. And you were made to help people be made right with God. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you have the authority to help people become right with God. Your prayers are like the aroma that fills heaven. In the old temple, it would have been the smoke from the sacrifices. would have filled heaven. Now it's your prayers. In the old temple, it, it, it was the one place on earth where people could encounter God for sure. And now... There's many, many places because God has put his Holy Spirit in each of you. Remember, Jesus clears out this temple 
to restore worship, to restore prayer. Let God use this nutty time that we're in, this grief, the loss, the pain, the emptiness, to restore you as a house of prayer and worship. Don't fill up the empty feeling too quickly. Your schedule will come back. The daily errands, they're going to fill your heart and mind again. They're going to ask for space, regular space in your life. But that's not what you were made for. The churches all over this world, the church buildings, they're empty. But the people of God are not. They are meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God is filling his church right now. He's restoring us and filling us with his Holy Spirit. So everyone on the planet can encounter him. This morning is Communion Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the month. And when we take communion, we remember individually by our own partaking of the elements. We, we remember that what Jesus did for us and how he fills us with his Holy Spirit. But we also remember, we take communion together as a community uh, to remember that, uh, that together we're set apart. Together we're the church functioning in the world so that, and we're dispersed all over the planet. And we're taking communion with the whole, all the believers over the whole world who, have, who are filled with the Holy Spirit and who God is using to bring people to encounter him and to worship him and pray. Thank you, church. Amen.